Welcome to the special edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> <laughs> this is our Chicago Bulls slash NBA 2020-2021 preview special along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina Osgro McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media to help us uh, preview this Chicago Bulls and NBA uh, season coming up. We have an illustrious panel for you. First off, we'll introduce our, uh, our, our superstar senior uh, columnist for War Media. You can go to weareregalradio.com. He also has a podcast called In the Scope with Joshua M. Hicks. Let's welcome, uh, for the first time to Second City Sports, Josh Hicks. Josh, how's it going, my man? What's up, Sid? How you guys doing, man? Yes, Appreciate being on. No problem. How can people follow you on social media? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at that guy Josh Hicks. Yeah, call me back in about All right, and our next guest, he hails as a producer from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He's also a co-host of his own podcast, According to Sources. That's the number two sources. He's the one and only, the messenger, Mr. Sean Davis. Sean, welcome to the program. How are you? Man, I'm doing wonderful today, man. Excited to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. How can people follow you on social media? You can follow me at SD2Mikes on every social media platform that exists. All right. Next up, we have friend of the show, i.e. the Miami Heat fan, the Dwayne Wade fan. <laughs> She's uh, You can also read her work at HoopsHype.com. <laughs> She's your matter. favorite girl, fangirl, the one and only Miss Alana Techhauer. Alana, how's it going? I'm doing great. How is everyone? Doing great. good. How can people follow you on social media? Just Alana Tower across the board. A-L-L-A-N-A-T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. And last but definitely not least, he's a former host of the Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago, but he still has a podcast with Jordan Malley called Locked on Bulls. You can uh, download that wherever you download your podcast. He's the, a, a fan favorite. He's a fan favorite of this show as well. Let's please welcome Mr. Matt Pat. Mac, well, welcome back. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Sid, Lakina, good to see y'all. Good to hang out with you. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised that I have to deal with the Miami Heat, you know, staying <laughs> over here. But starting uh, your week off right. We'll, 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 we'll get through it together, right? We'll get through it together. Oh, my goodness. How can, yeah, how can people follow you on social media, Matt? You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck, and you can also follow our podcast at Locked on Bulls. All right, let's let's get this show started. First, we'll preview the Chicago Bulls for the 2020-21 season. Of course, there have been a lot of changes out as head coach Jim Boylan in as Billy Donovan. Out, Jim uh, John Paxson in Gar Hurd, Gar former, I should say Gar Hurd, good grief. <laughs> in as Arturis Kanishevis and GM Mark Eversley. Of course, the Bulls finished their preseason with a 3-1 and record with a three-game winning streak. Josh, I'll start with you. What has impressed you most about this uh, Bulls preseason? 
I think for me is the slow development of Kobe White turning into a playmaker. Um, because that's one of the biggest things that he talked about this offseason is adding an extra element to his game. We all know he can score the ball pretty much wherever, um, but at the same time, growing to actually be a true point guard uh, to run an offense, especially in the Billy Donovan offense where it's a lot of ball movement, um, for him to be able to run that offense um, and, set, you know, set the table, set the tone offensively, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing, especially when you're talking about a backcourt with Zach Levine where offensively that can be a nightmare any given night and we both know yeah. they could fill it up. So, so for Kobe White to slowly but surely show positive signs of settling into not just a scoring point guard, but a facilitator and a playmaker, it's a very, it's a very exciting sign to see. And that's what us Bulls fans really hope for since we did make that move to make him as our point guard of the future. Sean. Oh, Sean. Yeah. The most important thing that stuck out to me, was Zach Levine seems like he's genuinely interested on the defensive end. And I don't know if that's him taking a step forward in leadership and really wanting to make an impact in his game and take the next step in his game overall. But it really seems like that he's been up into uh, other defenders, I mean, other offensive players, and he's taking the challenge of being that guy on the defensive end to bring the ball high talking activity that you want this defense to have. I'm still not happy with the defense overall after watching the first four preseason games, but it does seem like Zach is taking a much more interested role on the defensive side of the ball, and that's, that really stuck out to me. Alana? I have to agree with Kobe White. Um, I think, obviously, like, his skill set is growing, um, but I think for him to know what his role finally is and not kind of going between – you know, is he going to start? Is he going to kind of come off the bench? I feel like that's huge. Um, you can already tell, and I know it's early in preseason, but like his confidence is skyrocketed. Um, and I think that's going to be huge for the Bulls. So, so far I am a big, big fan. Um, and I can't wait to see like kind of, we you know what, what the season has in store for him. Matt? I can't believe we got all the way around to me and nobody mentioned Lowry or Wendell. I mean, to me, like this Bulls front court. <laughs> What, what's going on with their front court and yeah. the, the huge prove-it seasons that are in front of both of those guys, Wendell and Lowry. You know, as we're recording this on December 21st, it's extension deadline day. Sounds like what, the, what we heard yesterday from Casey Johnson is that Lowry and the Bulls are still very far apart. That extension is not going to happen. I didn't, I didn't expect it to when we heard a couple weeks ago, oh, they might get it done. I was like, what? No, because Lowry wants money and he hasn't earned any yet. So to me, like we've already seen Donovan flirting with the idea of playing Larry at the five. We've always heard Wendell seeing himself more as a four. He's certainly undersized to play center in the NBA. We saw a little glimpse of good from each of these guys in the preseason. Lowry had a strong final preseason game. Wendell's chucking threes because Donovan's telling him to, and he was like one of 20 in the four games or whatever. Whether or not those guys <laughs> develop and find some kind of chemistry will be key because what I did like in these – glimpses from those two in the preseason was playing a little two-man game between the two bigs, Lowry and Wendell, playing a little bit more pick and roll between those two. Will we see more of that? And can they develop as a, you know, a chemistry building front court? And, they can, and can they develop as individuals? That's going to be key because I don't see both of those guys being here long-term. The fact that, you know, the fact that it was just a short preseason, you know, Donovan, I would be surprised if even at the start, you know, maybe like the first like week or week and a half, he plays with like different combinations of, of guys. So I'll start with you, Sean. Do you see Patrick Williams, who actually looked really good, especially those last three preseason games, do you think he finds himself in the starting lineup? 
I think he does, and they would be short-sighted if they didn't insert him into the starting lineup, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of Bulls fans didn't know who this kid was. Fortunately, you know, working at ESPN, we do Notre Dame football and basketball, so I was able to watch both the games against Notre Dame last year, and I was very impressed with the kid. He was a closer, and he came from a coach that has yet to be fired. He's the only coach in college basketball that is yet to be fired. I don't think anybody else could say that. So, um, well, I'm, you know, that's just sarcasm. But he came from a strong college program. <laughs> he came from a strong college program, and they didn't allow him to just come in and just start right away. He had to earn the minutes. And even though he didn't earn a starting spot, what he did earn was the confidence to be a closer on that team. And he was constantly making big plays. If you go back and you watch their matchups against yep. Duke, matchup mm -hmm. against North Carolina State, yep. and the, the Notre Dame game that was actually in South Bend, he made defensive stops in the last three minutes of those games that contributed to the big wins. And he also got big-time buckets in various ways. It wasn't like he was – they ran a play for him in order for him to score. He either got an offensive rebound. He either scrapped for a 50-50 ball and made a play to get a bucket. He found ways to impact the game. And I definitely think they need that on the court at the beginning of the season. Don't stunt his growth. Allow him to impact not only your starting lineup, but the team as well. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, a couple weeks ago when all this talk about Otto and, like, Billy being really careful with him and his minutes started pop popping up, I was so confused because I was like, look, we know that Otto wasn't healthy last year, and I think, uh, you know, we were so eager to see uh, a functional and, and healthy Otto because when he first came over in that trade with Washington two seasons ago, for that glimpse of, like, 10 to 12 games when Zach and Lowry looked their best, it was no coincidence that it's because Otto came into that starting lineup and the offense just worked so much more efficiently. The ball was moving better. He's just a smart, savvy player who takes the right shots and makes the right reads and makes the right passes. So all this talk about, like, ah, Otto should come off the bench, I was like, what are people talking about? Like, if he's healthy, play him. He's only 27. People are treating him with, you know, like these gloves, <laughs> like, oh, load management. He's, he's like 38. It's like, nah, he's in his prime. However, after watching some of these preseason sets where, you know, he gave Pat Will the start and Otto came off the bench, Pat Williams looks ready to play and ready to play a lot. And I think there could be something that Donovan has found with Otto's presence stabilizing that second unit that certainly could use the help. I mean, some of the second units we saw the Bulls trot out last season were just like downright depressing. Like couldn't do anything. <laughs> so maybe think. Otto just being like a, a, a smart, you know, high basketball IQ vet who can handle the ball a little bit, knock down shots uh, and just keep the offense flowing in the second unit might actually make sense if you want to go that route and say, all right, Pat Williams, like, go, jump, grow. <laughs> Alana? Yeah, I think, honestly, the depth of the Bulls was a huge problem. Um, to Matt's point, some of those second units were just abysmal. And so I feel like if, if, it, if Otto coming off the bench is what it takes to give them a spark and some leadership there, um, I'm totally all in for, for Williams to – to go ahead and start. I also think, um, you know, player development, especially for the young guys, was a huge problem for the Bulls for however many years under, you know, different coaches, but also obviously the front office playing a little bit into that. So 
Um, I feel like now that things are turning around, there's new personnel in there. Why not just give him a chance to start, um, you know, be a little bit more kind of build his confidence up, build his skill set. Um, so I think it helps him. I think it helps the starting unit. But I think to Matt's point, you know, having Porter come off the bench is going to be huge for them. And Josh. Yeah, all you guys pretty much hit the nail in the coffin for me when it comes to the effect that Otto Porter can have, especially within that second unit. But I think it's also a smart move to put Patrick in that starting lineup because of the fact that his ceiling is his ceiling appears to be higher than what we expected when he was first drafted, especially offensively. He looked very comfortable out there on the court, and for him to continue to that development, especially in a way that since it's pretty much known out there that Otto Porter is pretty much not coming back um, next uh, next year to the Bulls. I think because of them knowing that it would make more sense to put, you know, to put uh, Patrick Williams out there to get him all the experience that he needs. So that way, not when this year uh, finishes off, but going into next year, when you have more cap space, when you have more opportunity to make bigger moves um, in which we know Arturis Karnisovic in his own very, very, you know, slick, quiet way can make those moves. Um, So I think if anything, this is just, I, I think starting Patrick Williams will actually put the Bulls in a better position moving forward when it comes to, especially free agencies, you know, other players looking at the Bulls to see if they're actual p- potential destination they may want to look into. Lamont? Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, going back to what they said, I think they need to get that, that five and four thing figured out. I mean, Wendell Carter is a power forward, and I think they need to run more of a five, even if they have to use Gafford or work with Laurie more to be a five or even make a move with Laurie and bring in somebody that can play five to allow Wendell to grow at the four. If it's him, like he said earlier, we're not going to keep them both. If we're going to ride with Wendell, I think we need to allow him to play his proper position, kind of like what we do with Kobe White, turning him into the proper point guard that he needs to be. You're listening to a special edition of Second City Sports. This is our Bulls slash NBA preview show, along with Malakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. We're joined by our illustrious panel, Matt Peck, Alana Tech Howard, Josh Hicks, and Sean Davis. I wanted to, Speaking of Kobe, why you brought up Lamont and someone else brought his name up in the beginning of the show. Uh, part of the Billy Donovan's coaching staff is Maurice Sheets, Chicago's very own Hall of Famer. He's one of the assistant coaches. I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think that Maurice Sheets will, will make a big difference in helping uh, Kobe White's uh, game come around this year? Because we all saw what happened under Billy Donovan's toolage last year with Shields, uh Alexander, Oklahoma City. Yeah, and I mean, let's also not forget Billy Donovan himself. I do think Mo Cheeks is gonna uh, is gonna help, but Billy Donovan was a point guard back in his day too. I mean, some of those classic Donovan, you know, '80s short shorts pictures are just iconic. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> a white guy playing hoops in short shorts. It's great. Um, and Providence, but, too. <laughs> yeah, right? I, uh, yes. We've already seen in four preseason games, and I know it's not like, you know, Houston or OKC are juggernauts defensively by any stretch, even in a regular season matchup. But Kobe's decision-making to me, running, and, and not only in transition, because we saw him make some nice plays in transition, and, of course, he was at his best his rookie year getting out and running, right? Because that, like, his speed was his best asset. You also saw evidence of him being better in the half-court offense in these four preseason games, running that pick-and-roll that we know Billy Donovan's going to you know, lean on heavily throughout certain stretches of the season. Uh, he, he ran the pick-and-roll pretty well. He was making uh, you know, correct reads. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't getting over ahead of his legs. I think sometimes as a rookie, his speed kind of became a problem because his feet were faster than his head. 
We saw him in these season games just like slow down a little bit. And if he can just run some of those simple sets and some of his drives and kicks out to corner shooters and these preseason games have looked really, really strong. It's all going to be about, to me, limiting those turnovers because, you know, some of those rookie, you know, games where he dropped, you know, 30 points and had five or six times, he also had like seven turnovers. So yeah. knowing that the Bulls are going to force fewer turnovers as a defense this season, because they're, thank God, abandoning that ridiculous Jim Boylan blitz scheme. <laughs> you know, they're going to have to limit their own turnovers to not that have, you know, not that uh, a problem for them on a nightly basis where where they're losing those points off turnover battle Alana yeah I mean I think that obviously there were so many issues with Boylan that I don't even know where to start but I do think just the offensive strategy um, that Donovan is gonna you know implement has already implemented definitely does fit Kobe's abilities way better Um, he's super quick and yeah that does lead to turnovers and I do think that you know besides the um, slight defensive disadvantage that this team might have. Turnovers is something that they need to keep an eye on. Um, but I think he's going to definitely flourish a lot better under this system. And I think, again, um, a lot of what it seemed like he, he was battling was a little bit of a confidence issue and kind of not knowing his role. And I think now that they kind of give him the green light to be who he is and kind of develop um, in a way that not only obviously helps the team, but does kind of help his own skill set grow, um, I think he's a way better fit with us. Josh? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and and I think what we have to remember with Mo Cheeks is the fact that his coaching tree, from a point guard perspective, is so unique. You he he helped coach Chris Paul. He helped coach Russell Westbrook. You know, these are elite point guards in the game that really, you know, that Kobe White actually has connection with. He has connections with Chris Paul from his AAU days. Um, mm-hmm. So to have Chris Paul as a mentor, to have to see the rise that. Uh, Chris Paul helped, especially when it comes to Shea Gilgis Alexander, to now where he's the main face of yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. To see his growth and development over the years under Billy Donovan, as well as the experience of him coaching Russell Westbrook. I mean, those experiences with the modern-day point guard is going to help Kobe White's game to a whole nother level, especially in an offense like Billy Donovan um, is putting in. So I think the addition of Mo Cheeks and the fact that he has that background and the coaching uh, experience to, to pair with Billy Donovan, who was also a point guard as well, I'll, I expect Kobe, Kobe White to actually make a really good jump this season, especially with the, the progressive signs that we've already seen in this preseason. And Sean? Yeah, when you look at – I think Matt brought it up, and it was a very good point. When you look at Mo Cheeks and Billy Donovan, they were players at that position of point guard. But more importantly for me, if you go back to Florida, Billy Donovan has a trait of being to br- being able to bring out attributes that are going to make the player better, not necessarily trying to create the player based upon his view and what he thinks a point guard should be. So what I mean by that is, is realistically, the improvement I want to see from Kobe is I'll set the over-under for assists at like five and a half. Like, I don't need Kobe White to average seven, eight assists. He's not that dude. He's not LaMelo Ball. Like, if you play LaMelo Ball and start him, he's going to average seven, eight assists because that's just a natural part of his game. He has that vision. I'll go back to the second preseason game against Houston. Kobe played a much better uh, game at the point guard position, but there were several pick and rolls. I would say he was a millisecond late with the pass. Even though the pass led to a layup or a bucket, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, He's still a millisecond late. That's going to come as he gets better. So if we can get five and a half assists out of Kobe White, I think that's pretty much the ceiling 
for the player he is at the position. He's a natural scoring guard, right? Mm -hmm. He's the all-time leading high school scorer in the state of North Carolina. He goes to North Carolina, and he's that guy for, for Roy. You come into the pros, and you are the second fiddle to Zach Levine because you needed to come off the bench and score. So to ask him in the span of like a year to all of a sudden become this floor general, no. We just want him to develop that part of this game to the best of his capabilities in that particular era. I mean, area. And if that's five and a half to six assists a game and he gets to that point, dude, we're good moving forward. We're Gucci. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not expecting him to go eight, nine, ten assists because that's not in his game. And I don't think he'll ever get there in his game. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Sean. Now, as far as sort of the bench is concerned, sort of that, that great combination of you got Gafford, you got Arch, you got Chandler Hutchinson, also, you know, Luke Hornett, you know, we'll see how much of a factor he is. So the, the, the different combinations of the guys off the bench, I mean, what are your realistic expectations for the, you know, the bench guys? I'll start with you, Alana. Oh, um, I don't know what it, that's going to happen this year. I was a little bit surprised that the Bulls didn't make more of an effort, at least, um, to kind of switch things up a little bit with um, either, you know, making some traders, signing people. I feel like they, you know, obviously they did draft very well, but I think that in terms of kind of bringing more personnel um, that could kind of complement the team right now, I feel like they fell a little bit short. Um, so I'm not quite sure what to think about the bench. I do think that, um, and not to blame everything on Boylan or the front office, but to be honest, obviously switching that out is going to make a big difference. Um, you know, forget about the fact that certain guys didn't fit Boylan's system, but I just think it was kind of the toxicity of the culture going on there probably kind of stifled a little bit of what was going on. Um, not to say again, that all their issues will be solved. Um, so right now that's a very big question mark for me. Um, and I kind of wish they did a little bit more, but I do think, you know, like I said, maybe Porter coming off, you know, with that with that second unit might add a little bit of leadership and kind of get that spark going. Um, but that's probably the biggest question mark for me personally. Josh? Yeah, I, I think we're going to be kind of uncertain for a while because half of those people you're talking about on the bench could even play a full season. Um, Chandler Hutchinson was out for multiple games. I, I, you know, Otto Porter couldn't stay healthy. Um I mean, Daniel Gafford showed good signs, but he didn't get as much playing time last year compared to this year, compared to what he might be expecting this year. So I, because of the inconsistencies, especially in regards to the health component, it's hard to really say right now, you know, whether or not this, we have a high expectation for this bench. We really doesn't know what the highest level for each individual player really is, especially on the court all at once. So this is just, a, I think for now, this is a waiting, a waiting seat type of situation. Sean? I'm just not impressed by the talent on the bench. That's just <laughs> my, I'm just not. That's my personal opinion. I know others, they look see upside when you look at Chandler Hutchinson, and we're hoping that it gets better. Daniel Gafford came in last year, did some nice things in spots, you know. But, you know, as Josh said, I think Josh makes a great point, and that puts them one aspect of the Bulls and this organization under the microscope that's gotten a pass over the last 10 to 15 years, and that's this training staff, this new training staff that they, they've hired. I'm interested in seeing how they can impact this organization. Um, we know the stories of the old training staff from Luau Dang to Derek, all the stories and rumors and how they mishandled things. 
and Luau Dang almost dying going into the playoffs. Look, training staffs matter. They can't control who gets injured on the court, but they can help getting these guys as flexible as they can be and getting them in the best position to be able to perform at elite levels and to the best of their abilities. And if you can do that, then you give them a chance to overcome some of the small nagging injuries that have kept some of these Bulls players out. So when you look at Wendell Carter, can he overcome the small injuries, the core surgery, and put in a 70-game season or a 65-game season? Can Daniel Gafford give you 60 games? You know, from a talent standpoint, I think the talent level is, uh, it's meh, you know, coming off the bench. Otto Porter going to the bench, if that, if that indeed does happen, improves the talent level and improves the leadership. But, you know, somebody like Thad Young, who's a journeyman that's been on several teams, you know what you're going to get. He might give you a nice 20-point game, and then, you know, he just disappears for about two or three games. And then he might give you another great game in like another week or so. That's been his career. You know, even when he was a, a starter in Philly and in Indiana, he was off and on, hot and cold. So I'm, I'm really not impressed with the bench talent. I think that's something over the next couple of years that AK and Mark Eversley will go a long way in improving, along with the development of the starters and the core of this team. But, um, yeah, I don't know what else you can look for from the bench of Chicago Bulls, man. <laughs> I, hope the start, I hope the starting five can build, uh, build double-digit leads and we can hang on. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Sean brought up a good point as far as the, uh, the the welcome change of the turnover of the medical staff. You know, of course, everybody was most excited about Gar Foreman getting the boot and John being stuffed in a closet at the Advocate Center. But <laughs> I, I, the the change that had my my guy Big Dave most excited was the dismissal of Jeff Tanaka because he was oh, like, yeah. Dude, en <laughs> enough, like enough, yes. right? Um, but as far as the depth of this team, obviously, you know, availability is is the best, uh, you know, uh, is the best thing players can offer. That's said all the time. But I think speaking to that, we didn't have – we got no clue as far as Donovan's back end of the rotation in the preseason because, you you know, Lakina, the list you rattled off at the start of this part of the conversation, Gafford, Archie, you know, Hutch, maybe if Hutch can stay healthy, he's he's a part of that. But the other pieces, we only saw one game from Sato. Yeah. Uh, and then he had to, like, go away because of COVID protocol or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Temple is back practicing after he was quarantining, after testing positive. You know, he was there one free agent signing for a reason. I think he has a spot in this rotation. I thought he was an underrated and undervalued uh, part of that Brooklyn team last season. You know, Bradley Beal spoke so highly of him as far as his veteran leadership and, and his qualities as a teammate. And, and you know, Denzel, will we see him? Who knows? You know, the, the one guy between him, Dunn, and, and Jack to get the qualifying offer. I just saw a tweet from Casey just a couple minutes ago. It was like, he did practice and, you know, game time decision questionable for Wednesday. So my guess is we'll see him sometime in April. But, <laughs> like, you know, as far as the actual pieces of that second unit, I think, you know, Sean brought up Thad. Thad, Sato, and, and Hutch will be key to that second unit, along with, you know, Otto, if Donovan goes that route. Sato in particular, we only saw a, a small glimpse of him in preseason, but I really liked what I saw. You know, he had like 20-something minutes off the bench, and he had a game that was like, you know, 10-7-5. and five. 
Sato was clearly a guy who was not talented enough to be a big difference maker in the Bulls starting lineup this past season. And I think the, the thought uh, that I had and why I was a fan of that signing is because he could be, you know, low usage, high efficiency and just prop up the games of Zach and Lowry and Wendell, the guys that we wanted to see thrive. But Sato had an off year. Jim's offense didn't really do any of them any favors. But Sato, I think, can be a pretty efficient uh, scorer and facilitator off the bench. So if those pieces of the rotation are healthy, then the Bulls off uh, the Bulls second unit goes from being meh, like Sean said, to like meh plus. Like I'll give him meh plus. Lamont, I think with all the questions going on with that Bulls bench. Uh, and since they didn't get a chance to play a lot together, I would I would put Otto and Marketing coming off of that bench and go with Gaffin and Carter up front with the young kid and Leslie had work for the first couple of games. And then if it starts to work out, you still got that, you still got Sato coming, and I would work it in that way. But I would go with Marketing and Porter off of that bench to try to give it some form of life and let the kid play as much as he can in the starting rotation to start the season and just see where it go. I mean, it's all a sense of experiment anyway, and maybe we can get rid of the ah, blah and see what happens at this point. Yeah, I would take that route. Before we preview uh, the rest of the NBA, I want to get you guys' uh, uh, final predictions for the Bulls for 2021. Uh, assuming that they stay healthy because that's been uh, the problem for this franchise the last few seasons. I'll start with you, Sean. Do you think that the Bulls, assuming that they stay healthy, they, do you think they'll be uh, in that conversation for that play-in tournament to get into the playoffs? Yes, I think they barely make the play-in tournament. I've fallen into the trap the last two seasons, right? <laughs> Against better judgment. I fell into the trap. Zach's going to take a step forward. Laurie's going to take a step forward. Wendell Carter's going to blossom into this guy that can be a defender of the rim and really impact the defense. And then the season starts and it's like, yeah, they are who we thought they were. So you know, I'm not, you can't give me three times. I'm not, I'm not falling forward this season. I do think they barely make it into the play-in tournament, but I don't think they make it into the playoffs uh, the last 16 teams. But you know, I just think the fact that change has hit this city and hit this organization, that's enough to carry me into next season. Like, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back and have fun watching these games and hopefully hopefully they can entertain me. Fool me once. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I, I kind of see them fighting to be in that ninth or 10th spot for the play-in. I think it's certainly possible for them to accomplish that. I don't certainly see it as a lock. When I look at the Eastern Conference and some of the improvements that were made to other rosters in that kind of 7 through 12 range, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I think the only teams you can concretely and confidently say the Bulls will be better than in the East are Cleveland, New York, and then depending on the health and what they do with Blake Griffin, Detroit. Those are, that's it. Those are the only teams that I'm like, yeah, we'll be better than that. So that kind of slots the Bulls around 11th or maybe 12th, maybe, you know, maybe 10th. Um, you know, I, I see them going like flirting with 30 wins, 30 and 42, something like that. I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if they make the play-in tourney and get a little bit of playoff experience for this, for this young roster. I also wouldn't hate it if they fell into the lottery again because that 2021 draft class is looking pretty good. 
<laughs> a lot of <laughs> I do not want to sound like a hater but I don't think they're gonna make it or if they do it'll be by some stroke of another team having some like huge god forbid injury or like something you know wacky happening um I just think they're not there yet I think this year because of all I mean the welcome change but it's still gonna take time um I think guys are still trying to figure out like who they are in this new system um, and I, I don't know, the marketing situation is just so strange to me. I had such high hopes for him. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think he's just, I don't know if he's plateaued. I don't know if he just needs another system, but I, I don't, I don't think they make it. Um, but Hey, I mean, I, I think at this point, I've just become such a skeptic of this organization in general that it's going to take a little bit more time, um, for me to fully buy in. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no apology necessary. Okay. You were on some of those Outsiders episodes with me. You know how I felt last year. <laughs> Josh? Yeah, it, to me, it would be kind of surprising if they do play in for that play-in tournament. Um, just because there's so much change, so much new faces. Everybody's still trying to figure out themselves. And like Matt mentioned, there were some teams this offseason that normally within that you know, that 7-12 to 12 spot that really made a huge impact this offseason, starting with the Atlanta Hawks. They looked at, you know, they, they, these got, those couple teams really made some, some pretty big moves. Even the Wizards did. I know they traded John Wall, but they got Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook is a different type of animal when you're talking about him in the backcourt with Bradley Beal. So it's, it, it's going to be tough for them to get in there, and I won't be surprised if they do, but they won't. But, you know, they're like the wild card. They're just playing, and I won't be surprised if they lose as soon as they get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right let's talk about the whole nba um but we'll start at the eastern conference um josh i'll start with you who are your favorites because you got the nets you got the you know sixers and the raptors are proving you know they got to play i think in tampa this year so who are your favorites in the east well if the raptors played in seattle for me maybe i would have considered them but um, <laughs> but as far as the Eastern Conference as a whole, man, I mean, you can't pass up Brooklyn. You got KD, you got Kyrie. You, if they if they able to pull this James Harden trade, you got a, a nasty trio over there. Well, even though that looks impossible right now, you know, you never know. You you never know in the NBA. It's always some type of fireworks. So I think you got you, you got to consider Brooklyn. Um, you got to consider Milwaukee. Although Milwaukee to me kind of kind of a little bit of a setback for me just because they started the whole farm for Drew Holiday. And, you know, even though you got Giannis, I don't trust Chris Middleton being your sidekick. You got to get somebody that's, I think you got to get an actual solidified number two player aside from Drew Holiday, even though Drew was a good upgrade. Um, and, and I think, I mean, Philadelphia got better. To me, they got better um, hiring Doc Rivers, uh, bringing in more shooting with Danny Green and, th and those guys. But to me, if they make a James Harden trade, now you're talking about them potentially being top three um, in, in that Eastern Conference. Because if you pair James Harden with Joel Embiid, you know, that's a nice point guard, point, uh, guard, you know, center combination to where it'll be very hard for teams to defend, and especially in the Eastern Conference. I mean, the Eastern Conference in a whole got better. I think we there was jokes last uh, in offseason talking about how, you know, LeBron went west, now everybody going east. <laughs> to get away from to get away from LeBron James and, and what he's doing in the West, which is already impeccable. So the Eastern Conference for me, I, you have to go with KD and Kyrie and what they're doing in Brooklyn as your number one. But after that, it's a few teams in there that you know you that, that can give you a run for the money. And if teams like Atlanta 
like blow up with the moves that they made, you know, that it's going to be very interesting to see what the season conference is going to look like this season. Sean? You know what? Josh pretty much stole my thunder. The scariest team for me in a playoff series would be if you're talking about duos in a playoff, what you have Katie and Kyrie, you have Bam and Jimmy. Then you go to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, because that's what it's going to come down to. And I guess Milwaukee is depending upon Drew Holiday because Chris Middleton isn't that guy. He's shown he can't be that guy. So maybe Drew Holiday can be that guy for Giannis. But regular season, I think Brooklyn might struggle a little bit out of the gate just to find, just to find continuity because you have a lot of ball handlers on that team. But once they find it, they're going to hit a groove, I think, halfway through the season, probably before they get to the halfway point. And then they're going to take off. So I think teams like Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee, Milwaukee will always do good in the regular season. Milwaukee's that team, we don't care what they do in the regular season. Their mm -hmm. season starts in the postseason. Like, it doesn't even matter. Giannis, I don't care if you win another MVP. I don't care about the stats. Show me what you're going to do in the playoffs. And people continue to forget about Toronto, man. Let me Thank tell you, you something. Thank Nick you. Nurse yeah. and what he continues to do with that roster, you look at the development of Boucher, watching yeah. him in the preseason. And, you know, if everybody else, Lowry, they re-signed my guy, Van. Look, that's going to be a team that's going to be a viable contender especially when you get into the playoffs. And in the East, I truly believe it's going to be about matchups. Josh mentioned the Sixers getting Doc Rivers. Watch Tyrese Maxey with Philadelphia. Yep. That young man can play. I don't think he'll be the rookie of the year because he's coming off the bench, but that young man can hoop. So at the end of the day, if I had to hang my hat on one team, probably because I trust them more in the playoff series, the tandem of KD and Kyrie, I probably would put them ahead of everybody else. But Toronto and Boston and, and Miami will be right there. As you can tell, I'm down on Milwaukee. Like, I'm just not buying it anymore. I think uh, kudos because it was great for the league that Giannis resigned. But that's pretty much a two-year deal <laughs> with a trade request waiting. If things don't get done, if they don't win the championship, that's the way I see it in this NBA landscape. So I'm going to hang my hat on K KD and Kyrie. Uh, not winning the most games in the East, but definitely being the most dangerous team once we get into the playoffs. Matt? Yeah, I mean, well, first things first, whichever East team does make that play for Harden, if that happens, you know, Philadelphia is being talked about a lot. There's some whispers around Toronto or Boston, of course, Brooklyn, but I see that as a real unlikely scenario. Whichever one of those teams gets Harden is not making the finals because, like, that's just that's what Harden does. <laughs> like, you can, whichever East team ends up with Harden, eliminate them right out of the gate. Until he proves us otherwise, Harden is a MVP candidate, automatic playoff berth for your team by himself, and a guy who continues to shrivel up in the biggest moments of playoff games. So, that plus all the other baggage that's attached to Harden right now, whichever team gets him in the East, they're out. That's how I see it going down. <laughs> if it's Brooklyn without Harden and just like, okay, a, health, a healthy KD, even like 90% KD and Kyrie with all of the other pieces that they managed to keep around them, like keeping Joe Harris was big in my opinion, like one of the most underrated players in the league right now. 
they're the favorites. It's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're the favorites. I know that neither of them are the back-to-back reigning MVP like Giannis is right now. But I agree. You know, like, I I think Drew Holiday will help to a degree when you talk about the way that Milwaukee's half-court offense has just gotten into so many problems in these best-of-seven series because he is that good of, of a veteran point guard. But is it enough? Did they do enough outside of that and keeping Giannis to change anything that we've seen from them faltering and, and you know, uh, falling short um, in, when everybody considered them the odds-on favorites to come out of the East the last two years? So to me, if, if healthy, it's Brooklyn. I, I've never been a believer in Philly. Like the Simmons and Embiid thing, until they prove it to us, nah. Of the, like, young core teams, I would say maybe Boston has the best outside chance we saw Jason Tatum kind of go from star to flirting with superstar this past season, especially the way he played in the you know middle to late stage of that season. If he can take another step and just say, nah, I'm a legit superstar now, along with the development of Jalen Brown and some of those other pieces, that could be my, like, I'm, you, maybe you don't even call it a dark horse, but second most likely. Uh, you know, fair point about Toronto. I just don't know if they're going to have enough talent uh, and, and Miami, nah, sorry. That was a one-time thing. It was a fluke. Alana, you're in for a long hurt this year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord. All right, Alana, the floor is yours. <laughs> I mean, y'all already know what I'm going to say. Like, I, the fact that we're being underestimated is honestly only making me that much happier. Like, I love that people are not trusting us. I love that everyone just thought it was, like, a bubble fluke and whatnot. Um, we are in it to win it. I don't know if... We are going to get hardened. Personally, I would pass on that. I know that's a very highly debated topic, especially Heat Nation seems very split on this. Um, I would happily just keep it moving. Um, He is an amazingly talented player. I don't think he's for the culture. I don't think that um, he's ready to really buckle down. I think he's very stuck in his ways. um, And because he has been successful as an individual, I don't think he wants to change that anytime soon. Um, so they can keep Harden. I think we're going to be just fine without him. Um, Bam has been an incredible leader. I think he's going to make um, an even bigger leap this season. Obviously, I'm a huge Tyler Hero fan. Um, I feel like although people now, obviously, Duncan Robinson, everyone has his number, and it's a little bit harder now. Um, I mean, we are getting, like, double teamed like crazy on him. But still, I just – I feel like we're being underestimated. I feel like that's only going to fuel not only, obviously, the fandom, but Jimmy Butler. I mean, he does not care what anyone thinks. The more hate that comes his way, the better he does. Um, I personally, and I know this is going to just get me reamed, I am not, like, buying this entire Brooklyn's going all the way. They're going to be, you know, the biggest star. I, between just, I know I'm not a KD fan. I'm not a Kyrie fan, but just that bias aside, there's just too much hype around them. I feel like something is bound to go wrong. I feel like they're just riding this wave of, you know, we have these two big, big names and everything's going to go fine because of that. I'm not buying it. Um, I don't think it's going to be as easy as everyone thinks it is for them. Um, Honestly, I feel like, you know, I actually agree with Matt on something. The Sixers, I am not, I know, shocking, right? Um, I am just kind of over it. 147. You know, the whole... (laughs) The whole Embiid-Simmons thing, like, it's over. I've heard it a thousand times. Like, 
you haven't proved yourself yet. I honestly, the only reason I was even rooting for the Sixers is because Jay Rich got over there. He's in Dallas now. I have no allegiance to Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so honestly, I'm all in on the heat. And as long as Boston doesn't do well, because I cannot stand the six, the Celtics, I am, I'm happy. <laughs> Lamont? Well, uh, I, I would have to go with Brooklyn if they don't implode. Like, I, I got to agree with Alana on a couple of fronts. I think Brooklyn's ready to implode in some form or fashion. If it's not psychologically, it could be physically. So, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm tending to lean with a team like Boston, a team that's together. And uh, Toronto could be somebody you got to pay attention to. And with Miami, I think, like she said, they caught up with uh, Duncan. They know he can shoot the lights out now. And they are being underestimated greatly. But a lot of people are waiting to see, can them uh, young guys take that next step? And will they take that next step once these adjustments come? So I think as long as Brooklyn don't implode, Brooklyn should go all the way. But if they stumble in any kind of way, I, I think Boston could be that team. And uh, to agree with Sean, I'm not in on Milwaukee at all. I don't think Milwaukee has done nothing but ran it back so to speak, with a little better defense than Eric Bledsoe. So I'm not, I'm not really in Milwaukee like that. But um, to, to go with one, I, I would have to hang it on uh, Brooklyn just because KD may get frustrated with a carry and take over and lead him anyway just to show that he's back if he's 100%. Seth? Uh, I, I will go with between Brooklyn and Boston. I'll give Boston the edge. Uh, let's be honest here. Where was Boston's problem last year? Uh, toughness on, among their front line. They picked up Tristan Thompson um, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's going to help them tremendously. Yes, you get rid of Gordon Hayward, but uh, Kimber Walker, as soon as he gets back healthy from he, – I know he had knee issues uh, last season, but as soon as he gets healthy, he's going to be all right. Uh, Jason Tam, he took another big step up uh, last season. I expect him to take another step up this season. And don't forget about Marcus Smart. He's one of the grittiest, uh, toughest players in the league. So I expect him to take another big step. It's going to come down to Brooklyn and Boston. If I had to give an edge, I, I would give it to Boston. See, I feel the reverse. I think if it comes between Brooklyn, Boston and Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn because you got, you know, yes, Boston has the experience now, but you got championship experience in Brooklyn. So – I'm thinking as long as KD and Kyrie, they don't implode to one another, I think if they can keep it together, I think the Nets will do just fine. And also, you know, Toronto, look, I, they got to play in Tampa, unfortunately, so they're going to be away from home. But don't underestimate them. And, look, Miami I have as one of my, one of my sleepers. And Milwaukee, they may hang in there, but I'm like the rest of you. I think I'm kind of giving up on Milwaukee at this point, even though Giannis got that big contract. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the Western Conference for a second. I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think it's the Lakers or – do you take the Lakers or the field? Well, as much as I hate to admit it because I have hated the Lakers the entirety of my <laughs> NBA life, and LeBron's, LeBron's arrival made me hate them even more. As much as I hate LeBron, I also respect him and fear him, and anybody who doesn't is a fool. I tried to talk myself into the Clippers being the better team and the deeper team going into the playoffs last year. And, you know, Kawhi and, and Paul George, you know, with those other complimentary pieces, thinking that that would be enough to get past LeBron and AD. Cause I thought that 
the, the rest of the Lakers rotation was just not as good as the depth of the Clippers. Well, turns out LeBron was still LeBron and his team won. Go figure. <laughs> um, you know, so like I think Zach Lowe put it really well in the column that he just released this morning where he just, you know, put all 30 teams in the league into different tiers. And the first tier, which was labeled tier all to themselves, is the Lakers. Because, like, as annoying as it is, they somehow got better this offseason. Like, it's not fair, but of course. I hate it, but of course. Because LeBron gets whatever LeBron wants, including any that could ever possibly exist. So, you know, F my life, yes, the Lakers are the favorites. Josh. <laughs> Yeah, you got to give it to the Lakers, man. I mean, the fact that you not on even though last year, you know, very veteran group. This year, you got younger but still kept the same talent. Um getting I thought the I thought getting Dennis Schroeder was such an underrated deal for them. Um especially using him to replace Rajon Rondo. He got younger, but he also brings that grit, toughness, which is what LeBron needs. Um the fact that you went across your locker room to go get uh Trez Harrell you started. You just want. You just want to add more heat to the fire with that. With that little <laughs> rivalry going on. So for LeBron to do that, you know, that was just straight up gangster per se. But, um, but overall, just the fact that the Lakers as a whole are just so many years above everybody else for them to make the moves that they did um, was very. It wasn't surprising, but it's also something that you just have to, you know, you have to admire in a sense. And, I, and we also have to pay attention as, as well. The bottom half of the Western Conference teams got way better as well. The Pelicans got better. Um, the the Suns, when they get picked up Chris Paul, they got better. You know, those those uh, the Kings even got a little better. And the fact that you know all those teams, even though they were all pretty much in the bubble last year, they mo most pretty much pretty much it was pretty much a Western Conference shootout in the bubble for the most part. So to have all those lower tier uh, Western Conference team actually improve to make a good solid case. For the eighth seed, which was Memphis, and they still and they and they're pretty much running it back as well. Yeah, that's I think that's the biggest thing. Even though we know the Lakers are the favorites, I think watching that bottom half of the Western Conference is something that we really have to pay attention because depending on who the Lakers play in that first round, you know that could it could be a it could be a pretty pretty tough matchup depending on who gets that spot. Alana. Yeah, actually, I was going to touch upon that too. Um, I'm a Lakers fan. Obviously, I don't think that anyone else has another shot. Um, but I honestly – Next I reaction right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just want the best for both Portland and Phoenix. Like, so, so bad more than anything. I love both of those teams. Um, they got me so hyped in the bubble, and I think that both of them um, really set themselves up for success this year too. Um, you know, I think adding Chris Paul for the Suns was huge. Um, not just, you know, because he's so talented, but just as a mentor for the younger guys. Um, I think Book is only going to get better from having him, um, you know, alongside him. And just for Portland, like, I just want them to succeed. And I just want Dame to go out there and kill it. Um, so I'm just really excited. I have always, up until honestly, probably the past two years, or so I've been completely locked into the East, um, but the West is super exciting right now. Um, and I think that, you know, the Lakers are going to run it back, but let's see what the other teams can do and just have fun watching them. Sean? Like everybody else, I'm going to start, you know, I'll get to the Lakers because they are the favorite, right? No one is close to them. The battle, the most important thing and most entertaining thing in the West, and I think Josh touched on it a little bit, 
the uh, six through ten spots. Those teams battling to see who's going to make it into the play-in and then ultimately into the the playoffs is going to be entertaining. Look, I've never had more fun watching basketball and watching a preseason game than watching the miniseries between Atlanta and Memphis. I got to watch Ja and Trey go at it two straight games. I've never had more fun. But to get back to the Lakers, so you watch that. That's the most entertaining thing. The Lakers are definitely cream of the crop in the NBA. I wouldn't just hand over the NBA title to them yet because I do think there are three teams in the East that match up with them well. I do think that Miami kind of show that they aren't invincible, even though they're really good, and they do probably have two of the top four players in the NBA. They can be beaten in a series. And I think Miami showed that. So, you know, for me, I really think – and also shout out. I got to do this, right? Josh, I'm shocked you didn't do this. The Lakers, they got Dennis Schroeder. They made other improvements. One of the greatest improvements is Red South, Simeon, Taylor Horton uh, Tucker. Yes. And his mm-hmm. improvement. Oh, and yeah. if you haven't seen the Tony Allen story from the Chris Vernon show about Taylor Horton Tucker telling him certain things in the G League during the game, man. It'll give you chills if you're really from Chicago. So just that alone and him giving them another weapon on the wing, it's all about the Lakers in the Western Conference. But I'm looking forward to the NBA Finals. I think they're going to get a six, seven-game series from whomever comes out of the East. Lamont? Yeah, I mean, like everyone said, pretty much, we know it's a Lakers world getting out of the West. But that battle for them bottom spots, like they've been mentioning, man, like – I'm all in on Phoenix also and, and Portland, like she said. Like, I want to see Portland do well. I want to see Dane do well so, so bad. You know, almost as bad as I want Phoenix to do well. I want Phoenix to do so well this year. But it's it's a Lakers world pretty much. And, and like um, one of the panelists said, they got younger and better, so to speak, at the same time, which rarely happens in the NBA. And by them being able to do that is – pretty much an anatomy, but then you got the Simeon kid who LeBron has already co-signed for. So that's added a lot of pressure on him, but at the same time, it's only going to make him better and allow all of Chicago pride to come out of him and push him to whatever heights he needs to get to. But in the end, it'll probably be the Lakers battling somebody in the East. Like they said, Miami showed the world the blueprint, and if Miami got another shot at them and they're healthy, and them uh, young guys continue to shoot, they may, you know, go that six, seven games and could beat them. I mean, whoever they play in the East going to hit them in their head enough to let them know that they're not invincible and that they are in a fight for this title this year. Sid? The Lakers are the favorite, but it's going to be tougher for them this year than it was last year. Pay attention to these two teams. In the top half, the Denver Nuggets. Yes, they lost to the Lakers in last year's Western Conference Finals, but I think they can play with the Lakers. And Jamal Murray stepped up his game again last year in the playoffs. Uh, Nikolai Jokic, even though he had COVID before they reported to the bubble, you saw uh, his game grew last year. Let's see if he can keep that up for this season. In the bottom half of one of the panelists mentioned from the six to ten spots, I was really looking forward to watching this team play. I am still am, but the Golden State Warriors, yes, it sucks that Klay Thompson is out again this year. I really thought that team was going to do some things. I think they still can, 
uh, especially if Steph Curry and Draymond Green stay healthy. Now both those guys are older. I really like the pickup of Kelly Arube Jr. from the Phoenix Suns. They acquired via trade. I'm looking forward to see rookie Jace Weissman as well. Golden State hasn't had an inside score threat like that since David Lee when he hit heels on that 2015 team. I think the Warriors are still a team to watch. I thought if Klay Thompson didn't injure himself, I thought the Warriors would have perhaps sneak into that Western Conference final series against the Lakers. I don't think that's possible now. I think they're still a playoff team. Maybe they'll win a round, but I'm still looking forward to watching them play both. Look out for the different nuggets to really challenge the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, it's the Lakers world. We're all just living in it. And, you know, like you guys all said, um, but, you know, I'm fascinated to see what Utah does, especially since Gobert has got that nice contract now. Signed less for the max, but we'll see what how they do. Denver, you know, can they keep up with, you know, make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals? I'm surprised nobody said Dallas. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see what Luka Doncic does. And for that, that team, we'll see what they do. The Clippers, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about them at this point. I mean, we saw what happened uh, in th- this past season. We saw what transpired. So we'll see what Kawhi and PG can do if PG can show up this time. We'll see. Also, Golden State. <laughs> also, Golden State. I mean, look, I think Wiseman will probably try to kind of – I don't think they'll necessarily, you know, be at the top. But I think they'll best be one of those six – so six to ten spots, those playoff spots there. Also, Phoenix. Look out for Phoenix. You know, they almost – Devin Booker almost single-handedly, you know, got them in the playoffs in the bubble. And also having CP3 there to sort of help guide that, that you know, not just him but also the team as a whole. Monty Williams is probably one of the most underrated coach in the, in the league, the rising stars. So they can make things interesting in the West. Sid? You're listening to Sega City Sports uh, Bulls slash NBA preview show along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sydney Brown. We are joined by an elusive panel, Matt Peck, Joshua Hicks, Sean Davis, and Alana Tackhauer. Uh, before we uh, ask you guys to crown your NBA champion for 2021, who's going to be the regular season MVP? Matt, I'll start with you first. I mean, I, I see no reason not to pick Giannis again. I think he, I think he gets an MVP 3 P. Um, his efficiency last year was historic. Um, obviously, LeBron and AD's MVP votes cancel each other out in L.A. Same thing with Kawhi and Paul in, in, uh, with, with the Clippers. I think if there is somebody who can give Giannis a chase this year, and it's the last team that Lakina mentioned in the West that might, you know, catch people by surprise, to me it's – uh, the health of his number two, Kristaps, and then the actual depth behind him. But Luca, Luca's my dark horse for MVP. That kid is – I cry myself to sleep every night that he's not wearing a Bulls jersey. Uh, you know, my buddy Sabine, who's like a half math <laughs> I'm freaking crazy about it every freaking day. You know, I'm just green with jealous rage. And – I think if things don't go well in Milwaukee, Luka has a, a healthy year and continues to build on what he already showed us to be this past season. I, I, there will come a day, and I don't think it's too far away, when Luka is this league's MVP. And I wouldn't be shocked if this is the year he does it. But I'd still say I'm going to give a slight edge to the defending MVP, Giannis. Josh? Yeah, I pretty much say the same thing. Um, Giannis, obviously, we know what he can do. And, and like Matt mentioned last year, it was very historic. But 
if the can the team continue to win at the level that they were last year for him to really get that true recognition of MVP, that's still kind of up in the air and bet, uh, since they made these roster changes. So as a, as a slight backup, obviously you got to put LeBron in there. LeBron is up in age and they're still going, and they're going to finish arguably the best team in, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the league. So you got to put LeBron in there as well. But aside from that, yeah, we got to watch out for Luca because that, that dude's coming. And he's coming quick, and he showed it in the in the bubble last year. On uh, the way he performed, even without Christos Porzingis, like he he let it known that he's he's arrived, and he's about to take things to the next level with Dallas. And he's in the right situation where you know Mark Cuban Mark Cuban will make the necessary moves needed so that way this uh, this dude can flourish, and bring the uh, the Mavericks back to the relevancy that they that they have they that they deserve, quite frankly. So yeah, I think Giannis has a good chance to win it again. My personal pick would be LeBron because of the fact that last year he probably should have got it, even though Giannis was the guy. Um, so I, I won't be surprised if LeBron gets it. But at the same time, you know, like Matt said, watch out for Luca. Luca's gonna make give you a nice run for your money with that with that MVP award. Alana, I have to give it to LeBron this year. Um, I think he probably should have gotten it last year or came very close anyway. And I think that um, he's definitely going to be gunning for it now, um, especially I know the season's not completely back to normal, but we are out of the bubble. Um, so I don't know. I just, I feel like it's his year again. Sean. You know what? Everyone's talking about LeBron, but it's two factors that's keeping me from picking LeBron. Number one, the time off that he didn't have to pour into like getting his body back in shape like he normally has over the summer. I don't know if they're really going to play him a lot of minutes early in the season. And also I think the layers, the Lakers are going to blow a lot of teams out. So I don't think Braun is going to play a lot of minutes this season. And I do see him making a late push in the MVP race, but I think early on, I think guys like Luca, I think voters might even get, become bored with Giannis and his stats this season. Uh, I do think KD's going to be somewhere in there because I think Brooklyn is going to be at the top of the East. But Josh mentioned this, and this would be my sleeper because this is the quietest 29 and 10 season that people kind of just downplay. Like people forget that Trey Young put up 29 and 10. Like that's crazy in his second year. 29 and 10. And if Atlanta makes that push and possibly wins uh, close to 50 games maybe and is in the top three or four in the East and Trey Young is putting up the same stats, I can definitely see him being right there next to Luka in conversations. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I think as as Atlanta goes, people will say, yep, Trey Young. And don't forget about the addition of Rajon Rondo and his mentorship for Trey Young. He's already shown that he can dominate and play in this league and really hoop. And then just the mental aspect that he's going to gain from playing with Rajon Rondo. If Atlanta can get up to that 45 to 50 wins, he's definitely going to be in a conversation. So considering all that, I'm just going to go ahead and cast, you know, cast my lot with Luca. I think it's his time. I really think it's his time. And Forget KP. We don't know if KP is going to be healthy at any point in time, but I really think the moves that they've made uh, are going to open up the floor even more, getting this guy back from uh, injury, being able to cut to the basket and throw lobs and be a defensive stalwart with Powell. I think that's going to bode well because 
they, they were already the most efficient offense in the league, but they took a step back once Powell got injured. So to have him back is going to make things even better for him and Rick Carlisle on the offensive end and the defensive end. So I'll go ahead and say Luka Doncic is going to win the MVP. Lamont? I'm going to have to agree with you, sir. I think Luka feeling a little disrespected in a sense. He feel like he think he's that good, and a lot of people think he's that good. I think he's going to give whoever running for that MVP a run for their money. And like you said earlier, people going to get bored with Giannis's numbers, and they're going to just get used to it, so to speak. But my sleeper is because KD may have to play a lot more than LeBron. Kevin Durant may make a strong performance and showing because he will play more than LeBron if he stay healthy. But to pick somebody, I'm, I'm going to go with Luka. Sid? I'll make it three for three. I'm going with Luka Doncic as well. Guys, let's let's not forget he was one, he was the best player in the NBA through the first uh, three months of the season uh, last year until they until uh, they played uh, the Lakers in those couple of regular season games last year. And also too, like you mentioned, Josh, Luca carried the Dallas Mavericks in the bubble on a bum ankle. Now that he's healthy, he's all go. So I'm going with Luca Dodgers as my dark horse for MVP. So he he's he's my choice to win it this year. KD, Luca. And Anthony Davis. Those are probably going to be going to be one of those three that's probably going to end up winning, you know, MVP. Whoever team does the best, and also who has, you know, consistent numbers. Because remember, it's a shortened season. I would say LeBron maybe is a sleeper, but we know he's probably going to play like maybe oh, like two thirds of the game, so he's going to be out, you know, in that race, unfortunately. So KD, Luca, and AD. Those are kind of like you know my top three. Now, who if you pick one of those three and they end up winning, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> All right, NBA champion. Alana, I'll start with you. I mean, I have to say the Miami Heat because I'll get killed if I don't. Right? So we're going for the Heat. The Heat are doing it this year. Let's go. 2021. <laughs> Sean? LA Lakers. I hate to say it because that puts the dude one championship closer to the GOAT. And I, I hate to admit that he's going to get that close, but this is, yeah, this is his last one. I'll just put it out there. I'll go ahead and give him this last one. Lakers take it. Matt? I really don't want to pick the Lakers. Um, <laughs> pick Miami. So I won't. Um, <laughs> give, me, uh, give, me, give me Brooklyn. I like, um, you know, I, I think that was a really good point about the truncated offseason, especially for the Lakers who went all the way through the bubble and that maybe having an ill effect on LeBron and his body being right for this season. I know that he is defeating father time year in and year out. Like, you know, he's 30, 30 million. He should be 40. I like, I know he's not 40, but he feels like he's 40. And I, I just, you know, I don't know if that luck that LeBron has had for the most part. I mean, his first season with the Lakers was the first time in his career that he missed a significant portion of a regular season. It's nuts how, you know, how fortunate in addition uh, to how much work he's put into keeping his body right and staying healthy. I just, man, I, I don't know why. I just see this rushed season as something that will not go well for LeBron and thus will not go well for the Lakers. I'm clearly just forming this argument off the top of my head because I can't stand to pick the Lakers. So, Give, give me KD in the Nets, man. Why not? <laughs> Josh? 
three out of the four championships LeBron has won, he's had a Chicago sidekick. So he know, so we know that he messes with Chicago talent, and he's and since he got you know one of the top Chicago talents in the league right now, in Anthony Davis, he's gonna solidify himself another championship in the, for the purple and gold. Lamont, I can't do it, man. I'm I'm like you, man. I just can't do it. <laughs> I, I just can't. Do it. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Brooklyn before I take the Lakers simply because the the, the long season and. I'm not too keen on the LeBron AD friendship, loving each other, lovey-dovey thing going on, even with them other pieces. So I'm going to go with Brooklyn. Sid? Unfortunately, I have to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't hate it as much as Matt does, but uh, I just cannot. I think even though the Eastern Conference is much better, I just don't see Brooklyn or Boston having enough to overtake the Lakers. The Lakers are going to have a have a major injury or something to that degree for them not not to beat a team like Brooklyn or Boston. So uh, by default, I'm going with the Lakers, but it's going to be much tougher than it was a, a year ago in, in any sport. Uh, defending a championship that you have, being a defending champion is, is tough, especially given the circumstances that we're going through right now. It's going to be even tougher. But by default, I'm going with the Lakers to repeat. Is tough to repeat, especially in recent years. But the Lakers got have a lot more depth than they did, you know, bubble mm-hmm. aside. So I'm gonna pick the Lakers. Sorry, Matt. Um, but it's gonna be tough <laughs> though. It's gonna be tough though. I have to, I'll say this, you know, whether it's Brooklyn or Boston or Miami, maybe because you know they they gave you the formula you know in the bubble a few months ago. But I think the Lakers will win another one, and I think this is when LeBron will go off into the sunsets. This will be, you know. He'll be number five, and he'll, you know, retire. So, he'll, he'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> Sid? All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us here today on our Second City Sports Bull slash NBA preview show. Great job by the panel. Let's, let's go around one more time and let them give their social media handles. Let's start out with Matt Peck of Blocked on Bulls podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter. And you can also follow uh, my Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls, uh, with my co-host Jordan Malley. We're cranking out five episodes a week per usual. Uh, we got a great uh, episode dropping with the new Bulls play-by-play guy, Adam Amin, uh, to kick off this week. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and uh, lastly, thank you guys so much for the invite. As always, always a pleasure hanging out with you guys. Absolutely. Alana? Um, you can find me at Alana Tahauer on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Just A L L A N A T A C H A U E R. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and go Heat. Glad <laughs> <laughs> to do it, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at that guy Josh Hicks, and follow War Media um, on on Instagram and Twitter, YouTube. Um, War Media gets a lot of great stuff coming on, including our. NBA coverage of the Running With War podcast that comes on weekly. So be on the lookout for that as well. And Sean? Yeah, you can follow me at SD2Mikes on all platforms. You can follow the podcast according to sources at A2SPod1. That's A2SPod1 on all social media platforms. And thank you guys for having me on and continued success to all the panelists. I enjoy being on with everybody today. We enjoy having all of you guys on. We got to do this again. This is so much fun. A lot of great mm-hmm. insights. So love all you guys. Um, happy holidays. You guys stay safe. And we got to do this again. Yep. This is so much fun. Absolutely.
Thank you guys. Absolutely. Thank you guys. guys. Appreciate it. You guys stay safe. You too. All right, you too. All right, that was a whole lot of fun, guys. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah, this season should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, The NBA season kicks off on Tuesday, December 23rd. The Chicago Bulls season will kick off December December 23rd, I should say, against the Atlanta Hawks. The, The rest of the league will get started on December 22nd. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80, once again at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook. Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming for more media by simply going to our website at www.wearegalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And wherever you download your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can follow us on YouTube, as Josh said, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but you can watch us as well as we do our thing live. Look alive! Uh, yes, get those likes and those shares up. So we're going to take Christmas yes. off. So we'll be right back next week for our last show of 2020. So make sure you guys stick around and look out for that. So for the guys, I'm Makina. This is second second stage for Zoom style. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And happy birthday, Lakina. And happy holidays. Yeah. Till next time. Holla. Stay safe out there, you guys. Wash your hands and wear your mask. <laughs>